Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. All right, mate, we're traveling all around the world, so where the bloody hell are we off to now? Mate, we are off to Manchester, England. It's located in the north of England, mate. And I know what the next question is going to be, so I'll just get it out of the way now. Distance between Melbourne and Manchester is just on the 17,000 kilometres and would take just over 23 hours to fly there direct. All right, so what's the time difference then? Ah, time difference. Shit, I should have. I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, when we recorded this with the fellows from the Manchester Mosquitoes, the time difference is uh, nine hours. So it was 4.30 p.m. on a Friday afternoon in Melbourne. And it was, I think it was 7.30 a.m. bright and early over in London. Or Manchester, sorry. Yeah, I think the boys had to get ready for work straight after it. But, um, yeah, so it covers, Manchester covers around 750 square k's and has a population of around 600,000. I've got to lie to you, mate. That was a bit of a shock to me that it was actually so small. Um, so Manchester's top-rated tourist attraction is the Castlefield. Is Castlefield designated as Urban Heritage Park? Castlefield is an excellent place to begin exploring Manchester and a walk among the among the lo- lovingly restored Victorian houses along the old canals or through the reconstructed Roman fort. Now. I know we have our discussions regarding the uh, round ball, mate, and I'm uh, just, sta- just rifty, rifty, rifty. Just get it out of the way. Get it over rifty. and done with. I know you're going to do your no, round no, ball. No, there's, there's yeah. no, ramp, there's no round ball, mate, because these two teams don't deserve much from me. They've got two teams, and I don't give a shit about either of them. Mate, it's the first time it's a team I actually know who the hell you're talking about. So my, my, my old mate, David Beckham, used to play for Man United, so... Yeah, and my other yeah. my other good mate Wayne Rooney and ah, and, um, right, yes. and Ronaldo. So so ah. look at that. Look, okay, I'll be honest with you, I don't care about either team, but as I said to the boys from Manchester, I hate Man City more because of their connection with another Melbourne team that I dislike and a shit. So yep. anyway, what will I be eating in Manchester, mate? Well, apparently their a traditional Manchester dish is black pudding, which I don't know why anyone would want to eat that. Doesn't sound appetizing. Appetizing. No, not at all. But Manchester is the birthplace of boxer Tyson Fury, heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, rapper Bugsy Malone, uh, obviously a favourite of yours. Yeah, mate, he's right up there with Toy Boy Digital. Yep. Uh, recently starred in the movie The Gentleman. 
Just so you know, yeah. Just one of <laughs> one of his little gang members, yeah. Huh. Talk about uh, that movie that you and Bearchap had. Oh, a different movie, never mind, don't mind me. Nah. <laughs> uh, and also actor Carl Pinky Pil- Pinkington? Pilkington? Oh, I don't bloody know, mate. I didn't type it. <laughs> <laughs> Pinkington, but it's Pilkington, I think. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on, mate. So uh, Manchester, mate, is just over 40 minutes from 62 West Wallaby Street, Wigan. Mate, it's the home of Wallace and Gromit. Oh, bloody Wallace and Gromit. What do you know? Mate, the fact that uh, Wikipedia gives you the exact address for them is a bit concerning and a little bit creepy, but hey, yeah. not to judge, mate. So we got a Manchester, mate. Would you like a little bit of uh, information about footy in Manchester? Yes, I would like to know about the Aussie rules. Okay, so the Barful, which we have discussed, is the British Australian Rules Football League Regional Premiership commenced in 2003 and it ran until it was absorbed into the Barfels third division social league at the start of 2000 the start of the 2007 season the Aussie rules UK non-aside national league began in 2007 featuring teams in a number of regional divisions this then combined with AFL England in 2010 to form the AFL England central and northern and AFL England southern divisions and the club that we are speaking to today Bloody successful in the uh, AFL England Central and Northern Division. Yeah, they definitely are. We've uh, won a fair few premierships. Uh, we are talking about the, the Mozzies. Mozzies, yeah, the Manchester Mosquitoes. So let's get the boys on and uh, have a listen to their great chat. Enjoy. Recording now. Um, so today we would like to welcome Alex and Glenn, all the way from Manchester. They uh, play for the Manchester Mosquitoes. Uh, how are you going today, guys? Good, guys. Yeah, very good, thank you. Uh, lovely. Uh, it's uh, bright and early over there for you guys. It's uh, getting into late afternoon for us. We'll be, well, Ed Dog will be having a beer. I think you guys will be on the coffees, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, a bit early for the beers for us, I reckon. So uh, I, I only rolled out of bed. Five minutes ago, with, with the lockdown at the moment, it's it's hard to uh, seven thirty isn't a time that I'm usually getting up. But it's good to be here. Uh, we appreciate it. First thing we, I will say before we get going, that's one bloody warm looking beanie. <laughs> that is. Yeah, it's a river. We, we just got these last year. They've uh, they've been really good. So you shouldn't have to wear a beanie in summer. But we are in Manchester after all. <laughs> Very true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll just kick it off. I've got a few questions for uh, Glenn, and then some for Alex. So, yeah. Uh, so, first of all, Glenn, when were the Manchester Mosquitoes founded and why did you choose the name Mosquitoes or what did they choose? It? Yeah, so I wasn't around when they started. I think they formed, they started in 2005. Um, their first season was in 2006. But, um, and I believe the name comes from the Manchester Mosquito Bomber was, I think, manufactured or a lot of them were made in and around Manchester. So that's, that's where the Mosquitoes came from. And then our club song, uh, we use the the Essendon Bombers, um, I guess, claim, theme song for that too. So they kind of two align. So I oh, think that's, that's, un- that's, that's unfortunate. Behind. What are you talking about, mate? That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, uh, we've been pretty successful, so I'm sure the Bombers don't mind. Yeah, well, it, was, it was nice that they went with something a little bit more original, Mosquitoes, instead of just going with the Manchester Bombers, which uh, you know a lot of clubs just go straight with uh, the Tigers or whatever. So... It was quite nice when I uh, mentioned to Rifty that it was the Manchester Mosquitoes. His first thing that was back was mosquitoes. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, we're so used to just your standard 
Those yeah. clubs, so mosquitoes is uh, quite different. I like it. Yeah, it's not the most intimidating animal, but um, it's, <laughs> you, uh, it's you obviously haven't been. It makes it good when we're doing the rev up, and yeah. You always haven't yeah, been in no uh, Melbourne. Laws. You always haven't been in Melbourne during summer. Then you think they're not very intimidating. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, who was the first game against back in uh, when you first started, and how many players did you have then? Um. I don't know who the first game was against. I know they scraped together a team. Um, but uh, I think that year overall, there's, I think there's only one guy left around the club from, that, from the start of that time. So um, it's hard to get that sort of information. But I know they finished third that year in their inaugural year. So pretty good effort considering coming into the league and then and finishing third just, uh, just out of the grand final. So, uh, yeah, not too sure who they played first game. But I think they had a win and they ended up finishing third. So. But uh, as far as numbers, yeah, we, we play only nine a side, so it's kind of uh, a little bit easier to scrape together a team uh, to play rather than if you had full 18s. So. How many players do you have currently? Uh, we have probably about, I mean, we have a lot of players that have played maybe one play maybe one game or get down to training but don't necessarily play, but we've probably got a player as a good core group of 30, uh, I'd say, that play in and out, uh, depending on the I wouldn't say too many people play every game. Um, you know, holidays and, you know, a lot of people who have Australians here, they're not here to play footy, they're here to work and they're here to travel. So um, asking them to play every week can be a bit much. So we tend to be pretty flexible with that and um, we'll put, pull together a squad. But we've got a good core group of um, English and non-Australian players. Um, and then we also, of our Australian players, we're pretty lucky. We have a, a good group of guys that actually live here now um, on visas and living. So they've kind of been around the club for a while, as opposed to you know some of the guys, most of two-year visas. Um, so they tend to come in and then come out. Still good for the club, but it's good to have those Australians that sort of are here for a good length of time. Yeah, it would be nice. We'd heard from another club that, yeah, same thing. You get players on two-year visas. Actually, no, around the world, pretty much two-year visas. They come, they play, they nick off, and they'll saying the same thing about when you have Aussies that are there full-time, it helps. Um, what's the ratio from Aussies to locals? It's about, we've got about 50-50 um, uh, Aussies to, I suppose, uh, everywhere else. We, we've got players from England, We've got a few boys from Ireland that are over here. We've got one from Canada, another one from Malaysia. So if we actually had a look at the starting nine from the grand final last year, uh, which was our, our best nine, we had six British players and three Aussies. So it's not just a case of our Australian guys or all of our best guys. Is is A lot of our better players uh, are British players. We've got four players that are currently um, in the GB team and squad. We've got a couple of boys that are in the Irish um, national team that go over and play in Australia. Our coach uh, used to play for for Great Britain. He's now um, an assistant coach with with Great Britain. And then one of the Great Britain coaches is also uh, an an ex-Mozzie guy, Australian guy, uh, Dean Thomas. So we've had really strong ties to that national team, um, which has been really good. And I think that's sort of helped develop the, the, the team here and, and keep the team strong. We're, every year we, we lose a few players, as Glenn said, maybe Aussie boys moving back home or, or English guys moving on or whatever it may be. Um, but, but each year we, we tend to find either new players from England that have, that'll come out fairly organically. We, we don't do a lot of promotion to get players out. It might be they knew someone's 
sister through work or and, and someone's told them to come down or, or just Australian guys obviously being in, in Manchester we're the biggest city in the north of England so that it, it does tend to attract a few more Aussies as well but yeah I was quite surprised when I came out I thought it'd just be full of Australians and, and one or two English boys but yeah it's about 50-50 with some very very good English players as well. So with that um, I, we've spoke to a few clubs now around the world and there's a limit on Australian players they can have on the ground at one point is or even in the uh, the team. Do you guys have that up in your league? Yeah, I, th- I think it's five players um, that were five Australians and, and four from anywhere else. Doesn't have to be the UK, but but only five Australians. Uh, which, like I said, what was what was really encouraging for for us and the coaching group. Um, and it was the same. It's been I've been here for three or four years now, and it's been the same all along. Is that that our, our starting nine um, predominantly has been sort of five or six weighted more towards English players. So. I don't know whether that's a blight on the Australian players that we have, or uh, or or a credit to the English players we have, but it, but that that's been really good. It, uh, we we play against some other teams who potentially have got five really strong Aussies on there, and then they're sort of scrapping together four English players. But but we're sort of the opposite and, and buck the trend there, and I think that helps keep the English guys more engaged as well, which which has been good. It also yeah. makes, uh, I think, probably for our coach a little bit easier for the rotations. I know that, you know, a couple of games when we've had a lot of, uh, you know, the English guys couldn't play and there's a lot of Australians. You just kind of you have to think about who's going on and who's off. And, um, but for the most part, yeah, he doesn't have to worry about that, which we're kind of lucky. So do you have to do something to differentiate the players? Is there a, I think we're um, supposed to wear armbands. Arm bands, but, yeah. yeah, but typically um, the umpires tend to know who's who anyway because it's volunteer umpires. So... I think in the uh, in the tournaments you tend to wear them, but not so much in the just our regular yeah. league game. So whereabouts do you guys train and play? Play in a suburb of uh, Manchester called Burnage. Uh, it's just the Burnage Rugby Club. So they've got three pitches there that we uh, that we train and play on. One of them's under lights, um, so we uh, it's a three G turf. So that's that's great, and we can get up there as well. Um, obviously, not much going on at the moment, but that, that's how we uh, we play. Which a little fact as well is the home of uh, of Manchester rock band Oasis. So they they grew up and went to school just around the corner from where we train and play. Oh, so where's the Wonderwall around there? Is that somewhere around there? Or is it? <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen the Wonderwall. <laughs> That's all I can say to that. Um, so you guys play in the Central and Northern England Australian Football League. Uh, what time of year do you guys actually play your season? Uh, we should be playing now. So unfortunately, we're not. Uh, April typically is um, anywhere March and April are typically pre-season tournaments. Um, you know, we we normally would play one in Amsterdam in early April, and then the season sort of kicking off around about now. Sort of runs well, depending on how many teams in the competition, how many games we play. But most maybe up until July, start of August. So it's kind of good from that point of view with the weather. But uh, but like I said, that kind of a lot of things are happening in the British summer that time. So you have a, some players tend to go on holidays here and there. That's why it's good to have a, a bit more depth in the squad to try and fill in for the guys that have holidays booked and, and uh, concerts and things like that. So, yeah. But, uh, we're not sure what's going to happen this year. Yeah, it's a bit like that at the moment. All around the world, no one's too sure. Hopefully, you know, for your guys' sake, you get some footy in and so do we. 
Um, so many games do you guys play in a season, and how does your final system work? Well, when when I first came over in two thousand and seventeen, I think there was about ten rounds. There was there was one extra team. Um, so there, yeah, there was nine or ten games, or ten or eleven games that we played, and we also played a couple of lightning tournaments as well. Uh, and then a couple of teams dropped out. A team from Liverpool dropped down. A team from Sheffield dropped out. So we're down to four teams. So last year it was a, a season of six games that counted for, for premiership points. Uh, then we played like a lightning carnival against some teams from the Southern Leagues as well, which didn't count towards anything, but that was a week or two before the finals. And then it was just a, uh, it was just a one finals week last year. I think it was uh, first place second and, and third plays fourth all in the same day. The years before, it's been first and fourth versus second and third. So it's been a two-week final system. Um, but yeah, last last year was just, just the one week. So we, the last couple of years, we've structured it so we've tried to have both games on at the same venue. I think just to give the clubs a little bit more revenue and opportunity to sell barbecue and, and that type of thing, easier for umpires as well. So the grand final was, was no different. We played that at Huddersfield at probably the most picturesque um, pitch I've ever played on. It's got a big train viaduct in the background. It, it looks sensational. Uh, but we played there uh, against um, Birmingham team, or, sorry, from Wolverhampton. And then uh, Nottingham and, and Huddersfield played in the game before. Is that the one that... Up on a Facebook page? There's a video of that? Yeah. I was trying to find that because I actually did see that and was actually pretty blown away by uh, the view. And it was also my first sort of uh, look at footy in England and it was actually pretty skillful. So it was not what I was expecting to see. So... Yeah, watch it through because I reckon Glenn robbed me of best on ground that day. So you boys have a look and, and oh. let me know what you think. I reckon we might do a watch along with that one, Rifty, and uh, get the verdict out once we've I watched knew, it. I knew he was dirty on that. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually, I, I rewatched the game. I tend to agree. He had a good first half, but you know, when the game was on the line, someone needed to win it. This uh, sounds like a debate that you had with your brother on an earlier episode, Rifty. Oh, they're very, very much alike. That, yeah, no. yes. yeah, my brother pipped me for the best finals player our first year at the club. and I was robbed, I say, still to this day. Ten years later, he's still dirty on it. Yeah. <laughs> so that actually, that, that uh, ground, we, we played the first round, I think last year, we had, the, we had like an Anzac Day round. Um, the Huddersfield guys did a really good job putting on a good day. We had the last post and everything, and that was, that was pretty cool to have it in, in, with that background. And, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty good day. Yeah, well, once again, that, that experience of, of filming the grand final, I mean, a lot, lot of these, I, as I said, I played for 25 years back home and I, don't, I think I had an under-13s grand final filmed once, but that was it. You've got, you've got Huddersfield who did a really, really good job. We weren't even playing in the grand final, just hosting it, but did a really good job, filmed it for the second half. They had commentary on there of one of the Australian guys that knew a few of our boys as well. We played in a tournament with us, so he, he, was, he was brilliant commentating. Um, but, but guys now have got to, you know, something mementos. So some of these guys that have only played a season actually sit there and, and watch a game, watch, watch themselves play. It was, it was really, really well done. Yeah, well, as we were chatting before we started about like how different, like when you went across there, Alex, how you, it was not what you expected. And so for um, Huddersfield to do that just shows you just how uh, passionate clubs that aren't even involved in the grand finals are to try and grow the game over there. Um, so you said that you played in the grand final last year. Um, you're quite a successful club throughout the league. How many premierships have you won and what years did you win them? 
Glenn, what are, what are we, uh, eight? Is yeah, I think, I think we've won eight. So I know we won in, we've been pretty lucky, to be honest. So we won in 2010 and 12 when it first started. And then we've actually won the last six. So, um, yeah, pretty fortunate. I think that, like Pep was saying, it, I think the real strength is the, our, our non-Australian players. That kind of separates us from the other teams. Um, like we say, when you've got six of your best nine starting as being non-Australians, you're kind of well on the way to being a pretty good club. And, and then, uh, yeah, so I think from that point of view, we've been pretty lucky and um, been able to win <laughs> six in a row, which, I, I mean, I haven't been a part of the six. I've been a part of the three, but it's a pretty amazing effort. So yeah. I've actually been trying to do a little bit of promotion to some of the guys back in Australia to SEN. I listen to SEN quite often. So I was sort of trying to put a call in to say we're going, you know, this is the start for our seventh in a row. So see if we can get a little bit of traction, but so far nothing. You might need to have a quick chat with somebody, Rift. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit up his SEN for you. We've got some connections there. We'll see how we go. I did, I did know that you'd won it last. You hadn't realised that was number six in a row though. <laughs> that is a pretty fair effort. I, I don't know how good that is for the for the for the league, um, because I think it would actually, you know, taking our our mozzie hat off in terms of game promotion and everything else. We, we've always fielded a really strong team. A couple of the grand finals have been quite close, certainly until three quarter time, uh, and we've always sort of kicked away with it. But the seasons, you know, have, we've, when we've had a full team, it, it, there's not really a team that can can get near us and. And like I said, I'm not sure, whilst it's great for our guys and, and I'm certainly competitive, so I, I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm not, if you, like I said, if you look at that whole of promotion for the game, it's probably better if some of these other teams can, can start winning as well. And I'm not sure how much it would be encouraging players to come back if the Mozzies come out and flog them by 30 goals and, and someone's playing in their first game. So we're, we're trying to work with, with other teams now as well and... Um, like I said earlier, we're sort of we've got that core group of British players, which is great. But then we've also got the advantage of being in the city of Manchester, so just naturally attracting more um, Aussies Aussies here than you would say to Huddersfield. Yeah, and I, and I, yeah, and I, and I think with nine aside, though, it can turn pretty quickly. You know, all it takes is you know, and we see from our Facebook page that you know around this time of the year you'll start to get a few messages. Hey, I just moved to Manchester, looking for a game, and. I assume the other teams like Wolverhampton. I know Wolverhampton are looking to merge with the university now. We'll get a little bit more from that. So hopefully that helps. But it only takes you know a couple of really good players, and that can the season and the you know can turn around pretty quickly. So we we hope. Yeah, well, nine aside, definitely. Uh, you know, you have two or three really handy players can make a huge difference when there's only nine players out there. I'm sure. Um, yeah. I think. You know what you guys are doing, having a majority of uh, British players. It is probably the key to having that long-term success, isn't it? Because you're not worrying about you know who's who's flying in that year and who's flying out as as much as um, from what we sort of hear, a lot of the other clubs are relying on sort of guys coming over constantly. But being so successful, I'm sure you guys have uh, been invited to the European Champions League a few times. So I don't know if you've have gone personally, but um, the most important question we ask is how hard is it to convince the missus to, or girlfriends, wives, to let the boys go to Amsterdam? 
Look, it's, it's certainly a trip I always put my hand up for, so I'll make sure I don't miss that one. I, uh, I have to go. I have to go. So, you know, it, I don't think many of the boys have too many issues. Well, you can tell the ones that do because they bring their girlfriends with them. Um, <laughs> and they'll actually, they'll actually come over and make a weekend of it. So the, the last couple of years, um, the, the majority of the, of the playing group have flown out Friday night after work. So you get into to Amsterdam at about 9, 10 o'clock. You might have a, a quick nightcap. Um, and then you, you sort of, you're up and ready to go for the tournament and you're there from 7.30, 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock at night. Have a bit of a crack that night, and then you're you're back on a on a plane to Manchester at seven thirty eight o'clock in the morning, which is always a great idea when you're booking it, but a horrendous idea when you you you're in some Dutch nightclub at four thirty, realising that you've got to leave to go to the airport and jump on a plane. So uh, there there hasn't been too many issues on that front, but it is always a great great weekend, and and it's also good because it's. We, we tend to get a few new boys on that trip every year. So boys that have just moved over from Australia that might jump on. It's, it's a great way to, to break the ice with them, spending 36 hours in a, in a pretty manic city uh, and also playing some, some good fun footy as well. You, you mentioned about a few of the partners coming with them. You listen back to the Cardiff episode, there's a good story about a bloke taking his missus with him and his missus not, not knowing there was actually footy on and him acting, oh, look at that, there's a game of football. Oh, I haven't brought my boots, might as well go play for him. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we had one of our players two years ago. I don't know what he was thinking here, but two years ago, he, he didn't play because it was his anniversary, but for his anniversary, he took his missus to Amsterdam. Now, she knew there was a footy tournament on there as well. They ended up coming to meet up with us all, but... I can't imagine she was uh, she was too impressed getting taken away to Amsterdam with all the uh, with sixteen other boys for uh, for her anniversary gift. Hey, Riff, do you yeah, it's got... like that commercial. I don't know what's yeah. that commercial for. It's like, as I live and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Just bumped into the boys. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about, but I reckon we've got another a new question for our players, Rift. Which player at the club would bring their missus to Amsterdam on a footy weekend away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a few that probably uh, the missus would put that in the stipulations. You can go, but I'm coming with you. And, uh, a, like I've said, there's there's many of our boys that would probably never make it back from Amsterdam if they were to get over there. So, <laughs> I think that the story goes, the very so we, we've been lucky enough, like you said, we've won it eight times, meaning we've gone seven because we didn't go this year. But the, the very first one, so 2010, it must have been the 2011 Amsterdam trip, speaking to a few of the boys that were, were around then, they went and they got absolutely obliterated the night before the tournament and there was blokes throwing up on, during the first game and it, it was an absolute shit show. So I think what they tried to do, well, what we try and do now is we, we, we there's been a couple of times where we've gone over and got over there at 7 o'clock the night before and, and had a, you know, a couple of team building beers. That's not going to hurt anyone, but... You do see the teams, I have seen the teams a couple of times that are obviously there on their first Amsterdam trip uh, and they're going harder than most or harder than what you should be for the night before. There's other teams that, that know they're probably lucky to be there, maybe won a flag out of nowhere, so they just make an absolute weekend of it. But we, we've always sort of backed ourselves into have a fairly handy team um, and, and be around the mark. So it, it's, I think the last six or seven, we, we've tried to sort of go over there with the mindset of let, let's see how far we can go in this competition. Let's do all the right things and then we'll, we'll enjoy ourselves. It definitely sounds like uh, the type of tournament that you got to you gotta pace yourself at and definitely, you know, um, <laughs> the veterans like your club would have uh, have got to lead the way with that. Uh, 
Do you uh, play in any other tournaments across England or Europe? Uh, yeah, we do. We uh, we have our, well, some of our guys, our uh, British guys and internationals play in the IC Cup in Australia and then Euros and various other tournaments. But um, there's also pre-season and post-season tournaments. So typically we'll try and compete in some of those. I know the Scottish League put on the Haggis Cup, uh, which I think is around um, March-ish. We've, we've competed in that a couple of times. I think we won it in 2018, the first time, which was good. And then we actually host the tournament in uh, November. So after the season, sort of as it's getting towards the cold and a little bit miserable. But uh, it's uh, we call it the Movember Cup, but it's um, everyone plays for the Nathan Blakely Shield, which is a, he, a guy who used to play for the Mozzies, um, but unfortunately passed away um, far too early. So we kind of have that shield in memory of him and then do fundraising for the day. And I think last year was pretty successful. I don't know the exact figures. I think it was above 3,000, maybe Pep can um, come in on for that. But um, we had 16 teams uh, from 12 different clubs representing four different countries compete last year. So that was, that was hectic. Uh, it was good though. So it's probably, it's probably the thing that, you know, taking the player stuff out of it and being president is the thing that I'm probably most proud of with the Mozzies. To, to put that tournament on every year and see how much it's grown, to, to have 16 teams come to our club and play all day in a tournament for charity and everyone donates and everyone's in good spirits. It's, it's a pretty good day. Um, I wasn't there last year, unfortunately. I had to, had to work, but um, Alex was and I know the guys put on a really good job. And um, Yeah, it's, it's something that the Aussies are really proud of doing. That sounds fantastic. And there's um, what we're learning from all these clubs across Europe and, and Britain is that um, they do use their footy tournaments and stuff as a, a means to pay tribute to, you know, either a injured player or, uh, you know, somebody that's passed and use that as a way to, to bring clubs together. And it's something that, again, we don't really have that kind of community spirit amongst our footy clubs over here, we're sort of busy competing against each other and we don't sort of have any of those kind of tournaments where you could have clubs come together and actually work together um, like that. So I think it's fantastic. Um, I, think, I think it's the, um, you know, because a, a at least from my point of view and a lot of the Australians, playing footy is secondary when you, come to, when you come to these sort of clubs. You really play to, you, you look for the club and you sign up to the club to meet the guys and sort of, have mates and hang out with, especially moving to a new city, you don't know anyone. And then as soon as you sign up to the club, then you, you've instantly got 30 mates there. Um, so kind of from that point of view, I think the, the feeling around those sort of tournaments is a little bit different. It's not as competitive. It's everyone knows why they're there. and um, They're there to raise money and just have a good time. So it's pretty good vibe. Yeah, awesome. So speaking of sort of raising money for the club, uh, how hard is it to get sort of sponsors that, that even know about Aussie rules football over there? Um, we've been pretty lucky. We've had a couple of big major sponsors over the years that have some loose affiliation with a player or past player. So we've had LWC and Venture Studios from ex-Mozzie players. Um, last year we had the Griffin Hotel down the road, which was pretty good. So um, we were able to put a pretty good business case forward, seeing as though we frequented their place quite often. So they knew they'd get a return on investment. Um, but generally we've been pretty lucky. It's, it's, um, we tried something a little bit different a couple of times with, you know, rather than asking one company to 
sponsor uh, to buy our silver membership, we kind of got the players to go out and just ask for a small thing and then we raffle it. So that way the, the companies aren't having to pay the larger amount. And that was somewhat successful, but it is a challenge every year to try and educate them on what we do. We have the advantage of, you know, we've been able to represent it champions league so you know we've got that to kind of say there's a little bit more exposure there and i know alex has been growing our social um followers and stuff so we're kind of trying to use that as well when we do it but it's definitely a challenge but to date we've we've been pretty good we've been pretty lucky yeah i think pubs are the best way to get there you what i say i was we're always looking for sponsors so (laughs) Yeah, and I think I think pubs the Griffin worked really well for us last year because that is only three hundred meters from where we play. So the boys could go there after games, after events. Um, we had our big Movember drinks, our Movember Cup drinks were there. So we had sixteen teams roll through there where we had raffles and everything else. So um, they're the ones that, that sort of make most sense, I suppose, from from their point of view because they're getting money in the till straight away from from their investment, but. Uh, uh, cafes as well we, we probably do some more work with them but like Glenn said we're always looking so if there are any prospective sponsors listening we'd love to have a chat and if there's any from uh, around the Sandown area we're always open to sponsors because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just a common it's not just a thing over in your neck of the woods fellas it's sort of all over the shop where even clubs and especially in such a dense area so many clubs you know, sponsorship can come hard but we thank all of our sponsors as if you'd like to know who they are, just look behind my co-host. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get onto my favourite topic, the social side of the club. You just mentioned about how you go down to your pub after the game and have a few beers. What type of events do you guys hold? We try to do a few a year um, at, at different times as well. So we've got, what was my first one? I'm trying to think. Uh, my first actually was, was uh, Amsterdam. So that was a bit of a baptism of fire. <laughs> I wouldn't say necessarily a, a social um, event that we put on. But we, we do a few. So we do Christmas drinks every year, um, late November, early December. We'll, we'll just get together as a mozzie collective with all the partners, girlfriends, friends of friends of the club as well. So we'll do that around Christmas time. We obviously have a best and fairer. So our season usually finishes in late June, early July. So we'll do our BNF in August. Um, at the moment, with, with the way that uh, the world is, we've been doing weekly quiz nights, which has been um, really good fun. There's, there's been about you know, 20 to, to 30 people jumping on those each Friday night. The winner from that week then takes the quiz on for the next week. Uh, and then during the year as well, we, we have a ladies' day, which we, we've put on the last two years. Um, and and that's, that's really taken off. So we try and line it up with a team that, that generally brings a little bit of support. We've really worked with the, the wives and girlfriends to, to bring their um, friends down. So we've had sort of 40 to 50 people, 50 to 60 people even, um, the last couple of years and, and the, the feedback's been really good. I, I don't know exactly what we charge. I think it's only five or ten quid um, and that gets the girls unlimited champagne and well, unlimited bubbles, I should say, not champagne, unlimited bubbles and a little bit of food as well with the boys bringing the drinks around. But yeah, the, the, we have a longest kick competition, all that type of thing. And, and just off the back of that, and that usually ends up at the Griffin Hotel, which we spoke about before, but just off the back of that, it, it helps raise the profile. We, we throw up some photos on social media, all those sort of staple things that you do. But, um, but they've been really good sort of club community events. Yeah, ladies' nights are always an absolute hit. Uh, it's the one night where most blokes have to drive home from the game. Uh, I think <laughs> last year I got off with that because I was on crutches. I wasn't allowed to drive. I had to get an Uber, so that was handy for me. 
I could enjoy a drink unlike most fellas. Um, all right, so you mentioned your trips to Amsterdam. Do you guys go on an end-of-season footy trip and whereabouts do you go? Because I really want to make our players a bit more jealous. Look, we... Yeah, I'm going to let you down here because in my time we haven't. <laughs> in my time we haven't. So I know the boys about five or six years ago, uh, they had a couple of trips where they went to Barcelona and played against that team there. I'm not sure why we don't. I honestly think it's because of, of that Amsterdam trip at the start of the year. Um, as we've, we've touched on a couple of times, a lot of the Aussie guys that are over here, um, and, and this is probably just our club, but a lot of the guys have, wives and girlfriends that they're coming over with as well and, and doing a lot of their own travel. So you can usually get away with one trip to Amsterdam, but I think pushing a second footy trip as well um, might start to, to stretch a little bit too far. So each year um, when we're about five or six pints deep in Amsterdam, we're always chatting with teams from Norway or Denmark or Barcelona, wherever it may be, and we, we make a, a blood brother pact that we're going to play each other at the end of the year, but it's just uh, it's just never eventuated. So... I think it needs to be put back on the cards and maybe this year's a perfect year to do it at the end if, if they do open up some travel, especially if we don't get a season in. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I won't make you too jealous, but we, we should be doing more there, definitely. I'm sure the boys are currently locked up with their partner should be putting enough effort in to get some enough brownie <laughs> points for a trip away. Then. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right, so how, did, how long have you been the president, Glenn, and how did you come to be the president? Um, so I was president last year. I was pre- first president. The, I went in 2017. I, came, I arrived here in 2016 and then I went to the AGM sort of maybe at the end of the season, start of the next season. Uh, how did I become it? I think we all sort of stood, we were all in a room when we pep and everyone was looking at each other when no one wanted to nominate. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, to be fair though, I, I, I wanted to do it. I just knew that I was busy with work. I knew deep down I wanted to do it. So as soon as someone suggested me, I sort of said, yeah, I'm happy to do it. But I, pr- I probably didn't do as good a job as what I could because it's just with work, travelling. and um, So then the, fi- the next year I-, I couldn't do it just from work again. So we had Niall, um, an Irish guy, which was good to have, you know, a non-Australian do it for a year. And then he uh, moved down south, so I took over again. So, um, But it-, it is pretty easy, to be honest, being a president. When you've got a good committee, we've got a really good committee, guys that have been in there for for years now and they know what to do so um really it's kind of just me just checking in and making sure they don't need anything and the club sort of hums along pretty good move some positions around like from social as pep said earlier so i did a pretty bad job at that so then thought president is a better job but i'm more suited to it's going to sound like a knock on Glenn, but he's, it's not, it's actually a positive. He's a master delegator. So the president that we had before the sweets took, took a lot of responsibility on himself. And I think, and he did it for a long time too. But I think that's why he eventually threw the towel and he's still at the club now, but I think it's why he eventually threw the towel in. Whereas Glenn came in, put, put together, you know, a really good committee and, and made everyone own those areas. Um, and I think that that's where, Stuff like the Movember tournament now, which has gone from raising five, six hundred pounds and, and being a great day to being a really professional day now has, has sort of come under um, since Glenn's been president, which has been good. All right, Rifty, I just want you to remember that, mate. You're nothing without the people below you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It sounds like I'm going to get some better people beneath me because I've, I've been forced to carry the load for a while. So. <laughs> no, no. Me and that dog were. Uh, we, we need to get some better people beneath us, I think. We've been <laughs> carrying you. this ship for a bit too long. But, uh, but how did you come to get involved in the club, Alex? 
Uh, I, I moved over here in February 2017. I was I was super keen. As soon as I knew I was moving over, I uh, I was doing some research. I had mates that had moved to London. I knew there was a league there, so I was just praying that there was a league up north as well. And, and me and my girlfriend literally knew no one in this city. Didn't even know anyone that had lived here, so didn't have any network whatsoever. So my best whatsoever. So my best chance of, of meeting people was going to be and making friends was going to be through the club. So. I was emailing the club president, I was emailing the coach and I wasn't getting much back. And now that I know that we don't really check those email addresses, so I was sort of emailing <laughs> once a week saying, I'm still keen, I'm coming over, I'm coming over. I don't know why I didn't think to get on touch on social media. But eventually, I, I think I, I moved over, like I said, mid-Feb. I was, I was down at training within a couple of weeks' time um, just because I was going stir-crazy, not really speaking to, to anyone else. Um, and, and have been fairly heavily involved ever since. So I'd say it's... A, probably the best thing I've done since I, since I moved here. The opportunities through tournaments we've played in, through people we've met, you know, some, some lifelong friends now. Um, and, and my core group of friends here are, are still at the footy club. So it's, it's, it's been super. Yeah, it's good to see that you're trying to get involved as soon as you got across there. Uh, this one's for you, Alex, and you can ask this, answer this if you want as well, Glenn. So every episode, because I'm a massive fan of, the round ball and rifty you can just turn off now mate because i know you don't care about this part um i ask everybody what it's like in the town they're in and i'll ask you alex because i actually stumbled across the back end of your email yesterday and you uh do have an affiliation with the team what is manchester like on a manchester derby day very fun um i'm i, I work with man united so i'm i'm at the the man united home games when we play um I think I've been to, to six or seven of those now across the few years that I've been here, and they're, they're brilliant. Um, the last game, actually, at Old Trafford before the lockdown was the, the, the derby where we, we beat them 2-0. Um, and I think the team was just starting to get going. And that, and that was... I, I still get chills thinking about that crowd noise now. Obviously, with, with United's form hasn't been great the last few years, so um, City have, have reigned supreme and the city's been blue. But... I have been to the pub once or twice as well on a Manchester derby and, and they've been electric as well. Um, I, I, I haven't seen too much of the. I don't think there's too much to be worried about in terms of the, the violence and the carry on. I haven't really seen any of that. I'm sure there is, but there is in pubs in Adelaide when the showdown's on as well. So it's not like the, the whole city's on fire, but there is a, a great atmosphere around the place. Yeah, so I'm a big Arsenal fan and a big Melbourne Victory fan. So I hate... Man United because of being an Arsenal fan, but I hate Man City more due to the fact that they tried to uh, buy championships in Australia. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And yes, we do refer to them as Melbourne shitty. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so you try and work that into every podcast. P- pardon? You try and work that into every podcast. Just make not the, sure that you not get the Melbourne, Melbourne shitty part. Somewhere. But I think I might now. <laughs> no, it started as this literally. I think the first episode, I sort of thought, oh, this bloke is from uh, Scotland. I'll find out who he follows, and then happen to be a Rangers fan so I found out about the uh, old firm derby and then I'm just like you know what I'm doing this I'm going to be selfish and find out stuff about soccer around the world so, yeah, very uh, good. so how long are you both played for and what positions do you play I've played since I was about five years old I had a couple of years off in my early 20s um, I've played all over the place but I think in the mozzies of just set off the back of a ski rope and play predominantly off a off a half back, um, and that's where I, I played in Australia as well for for the last few years that I was there. But I was about fifteen kilos lighter ten years ago, so I was playing full forward at that stage. Um, but yeah, I, I can I'm happy to play wherever, but I, my preference would probably be across the half back line there. 
Yeah, so I play started playing. That doesn't surprise me that Pep likes to play across loose across halfback at all. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I kind of started the same time. Um, I've sort of played everywhere as well, Victoria and New South Wales. Played a year in America, and then but since I've been in the UK, uh, I played for three years. Um, usually I'm on the barbecue or umpiring, but um, but when I can play, I usually play forward, full forward, unless our we've got a a GB international, Andy Walkton. So when he sort of strolls in, then I tend to know just to, to go and do the barbecue and let him do his thing. So, nah, you know, Can I just say, two years ago, I, I coached 2018. I coached the year. And we were in Amsterdam and our ruckman went down. And Glenn has always played full forward because he's about six foot 14. Um, and I thought, I'll just try him in, in the ruck and I'll try him down back. And I've, I've never seen a more pathetic attempt in the ruck and he's certainly not, he's certainly, he's certainly, he's certainly not a backman either so I, uh, it definitely is a full forward I was gonna say, yeah, as in a, my experience if you don't want to play somewhere or do something you do a really <laughs> poor job of it and then it just goes straight back to what you do yeah. although to be fair i wasn't exactly on fire that day with kicking attempts today and i think i kicked uh, i don't know what it was it was bad though could have been the night before playing havoc on you the next day no i don't know what it was just uh once I kicked the third behind in a row, it was just everyone else was into me and uh, just couldn't kick straight. Yeah, it happens as, as a full forward. I understand that pain, but at the same time, as a full forward, some bloke tries to take my spot. I don't care who he plays for. He ain't getting it. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned you both played in Australia. Give your junior clubs or the clubs you played for in Australia a quick shout-out. Yeah, so I played for Yay in the... Um, I was Kyabram District at one stage and then it was Golden Valley and I think it's um, Yarra Valley Mountain District now. So. Yeah. I played my juniors there, and uh, I won my first flag there, actually. I think it's even changed again, hasn't it, that league now? Has it? Yeah. And then I did play for King Lake as well. They're sort of – a lot of the guys from King Lake uh, come to school at Yay. So um, I played at King Lake for, uh, for a couple of years as well. So they're my junior clubs. Yeah, no, I played for the Brighton Bombers, which is a suburban Adelaide club. When I was there, um, we were in the, the Southern Footy League, which was classified as a country league which is ridiculous because Brighton is, is very much, very, very much suburban Adelaide. So we moved to the amateurs. We're always quite a strong and successful club. So we moved to the amateurs. Give three. We came in at Div 3. That was the Adelaide. They finished runner-up in Div 2 the second year. So now they're actually in the, the top division of, of the South Australian Amateur Footy League, which has been a great, uh, great thing. So I'm looking forward to having a beer at the club rooms when I get back and, and watching the boys run around in that league. Yeah, out of East is the competition now for Yay. Yeah. Right. So uh, obviously playing footy for you know, back in Australia and overseas for so long. What's your biggest highlight of playing footy? Um, I, I would say over here it's been the just a camaraderie, the opportunities that we've had. Um, you know, winning a few flags, those Amsterdam trips. It's been, it's been, it's far exceeded any expectations I had of playing footy over here. Um, you know, we're talking specifically about playing. It's just been good fun. It's been good fun out in the field. It's been good fun off the field. All the, all those additional opportunities back home. I was quite lucky. I was just an average twos player, but I was quite lucky to play in a, in a fairly successful twos team, and and we won five in a row back in late 2010s and, and early teens. So that was really good as well and, and won a few flags here. So I've been, I've been quite fortunate that um, I've played in some, some pretty successful teams. So I'd say they would, would definitely go down to some of the highlights in, in my time of playing footy. Yeah, I'd probably agree over here, just being a part of 
having a being a part of a three peat, but also just with a good bunch of blokes, it's it's uh, been pretty good. And back home, I think I was I was lucky as well. I, I I think I won my first flag when I was only eighteen. I didn't really appreciate how hard they are to win at that point. Um, so then it was probably another five years before I played in the Riverina League in um, in New South Wales and won a won one with Hillston. We did it the hard way. So I played there for three years and sort of gradually got better and then won on. And that was kind of the first really, uh, I guess, really good feeling about earning and winning a flag. Um, but, yeah, that's probably the things that stick in my mind the most. Yeah. You guys have had a fair bit of success, which is good. Uh, we're still chasing the ultimate prize. We have, unfortunately haven't got one yet. So. I know, uh, it, they had to win, sorry, definitely, because uh, I know when we won at Yay, I was only young at that point, So, but uh, we had a guy who played in 15 losing ones, and uh, when we finally won that one, I think, like, he went missing for two weeks, I think. <laughs> even the play that means. Yeah, everyone, you know, it was a four or five days into the celebrations, and, like, his phone's still ringing with this guy, and it's just like, oh, man, he's <laughs> really living it up. <laughs> I'll I think our boys would be like that if we just won it anyway. So it wouldn't <laughs> matter that they hadn't played in 15 losing. They just, yeah. That's it. Yep. Um, our boys even look at making finals or they start making their grand final celebration plans. But, <laughs> um, but who do you guys follow in the, the actual AFL? I'm a Crows man for my sins, so I, uh, I, I worked there for well, Boyhood Club from Adelaide and, and always followed them. Um, I, I, was, I was born two years before they came into the competition, so as long as I've known footy, the, the Crows have been in there. Um, and then I, I was lucky enough to work there for seven years as well before I moved over here. So, I, um, yeah, I've, been, I've been to a lot of games. I've, I've still got my season ticket now that I, I keep paying for and just give to a mate. Uh, each each year or yeah, each year that I've been over here, um, but of late, uh, certainly since the 2017 grand final, um, which I flew back for for four nights, it's uh, it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> Foolish. Yeah, uh, yeah, I go for Geelong. Um, my brother says I'm a turncoat because I used to go for Hawthorne, and it's actually I was. He showed me a photo once, and I was wearing a Hawthorne jumper, so it's kind of hard to argue with that, but. Uh, I do go for Geelong for as long as I can remember. I don't even know why. So I don't live in Geelong. Although me, my mum lives in Geelong or just out in Port Arlington now. So there's a connection there. But um, I didn't just jump on the bandwagon. Anyway, put it that way. Well, that's nice that he didn't just jump on the bandwagon. All right. Let's uh, throw some blokes under the bus and get some, some heated debate between you two going. So we're going to run through a handful of questions. Um, so which player at the Manchester Mosquitoes would you say are the following. So we'll start with you, Alex, and then Glenn, you can give your answer straight afterwards. So the first person, which player at the Manchester Mosquitoes would you say is the ladies' man? Let's say, guy, he's actually not with us anymore. He left last year and moved back to Australia. Um, but his name was Bud, and uh, he, he, he's got no game about him whatsoever. <laughs> um, however, he, uh, by default of most of the other boys having, uh, having partners, um, they, they weren't really out looking for, for opportunities on Saturday night. So, but, but he always, he certainly was with a lot of tenacity. Um, so I, I, that, that, that would be my pick for it. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of our guys have partners. So, yeah, but I tend to agree with Pep. Like, Bud definitely echo his sentiments. Although, Pep, 
when he goes into a place, he tends to swan in like he's, uh, <laughs> he's got game, honestly. Like, I don't know, he, he, there's nothing going on with uh, anything, but geez, he struts in the joint like he runs the joint. And like, you're here, ladies, look at me, I'm here. He's got a bit of swagger about him, does he? Oh, he does have swagger. I don't give him that. <laughs> the question is, though, does, um, you know, was that his Bud? Was that his name? Yeah. yeah. He might have gone in with a lot of confidence and tried to get him, but did he actually pull or was it literally just all, all game and nothing to show at the end of the night? I, he would. He would. You, you'd, you'd certainly know about it. Um, <laughs> no, no, probably more than you should as well. But no, he, 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 he walked the walk, but he could talk the talk. So I do take my hat off to him. There, there would usually be a story at, at, at training sessions after the weekend. So... I could say something here, but I'm not going to throw him under the bus because he's one of the Are, are, are we assuming that he's not aiming for those high numbers when he's throwing those darts at the board? Is he is he's aiming a bit lower? No, he starts high. I just think he wants to hit the ball. Yeah. He, he doesn't care if it's a bullseye. He just throws it anywhere. As long as it's in the ring. <laughs> All right. Next one, the class clown or the joker of the club? Um, we, we don't. I wouldn't say at the moment we have a, a class clown. In, in 2017, we had a guy by the name of Tim Benson, who I'm still good mates with now, but he was the biggest lunatic I've ever met in my life. Um, and he definitely is, is sort of vintage class clown. He, he, he was full of energy. I don't know whether he had ADD or not, but if he, if he hasn't had it diagnosed, he should go and get checked out because he was a million miles an hour and... He was always pranking the boys and he would sing the song in the nude and, and he, was, he was just, like I said, he was just an out-and-out lunatic. So he, he was great fun. But at the moment, we don't really have a class clown. We, we've got a, a group of guys and, and a few in particular that have got a really dry cut sense of humour. Ben Sweetman, Rusty Cox, Paddy Lawson. So they probably make me laugh more than anyone because they're, they're really sort of <laughs> understated and, and really undercut in, in their sense of humour. But an out-and-out class clown, I don't think we have one. Yeah, Timmy Benson definitely. I mean, even though he's left the club, he left a uh, <laughs> a huge um, you know feeling around the club. But I'd say after Chimmy's quiz night, I mean <laughs> that was a debacle. And I encourage you guys to go on our Facebook and look at the last last weeks. Do they? I think they're up there for recordings. And if you want to yeah. use some, make sure you have the dump button ready. But that was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen from Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy may have uh, found a new niche. Well, we do the quiz every Friday night. And, and last week in Manchester, it was about 21 degrees, 22 degrees, which I know sounds ridiculous and I laughed when it came over here. But if you get that sort of weather with sun shining, it pops off in the garden and, and you're drinking away. And Jimmy messaged me. Oh, I've been setting up the quizzes and Jimmy messaged me at, at about 3 o'clock saying, I've been on the, the beer since lunch. And I said, well, you got the quiz at 8, so make sure you're okay. Uh, and he's from he's from he's from Oxford, which is a really sort of wealthy part of England. Um, and he comes on the quiz, and he's there drinking his Sav Blanc. And I reckon he went through a whole bottle in forty five minutes drinking that, swearing at anyone in the comments that had a crack at him. So it was a, it was a good laugh. Just before you say, I know you're going to mention Rifty. Um, our last episode that aired when recording this um, with the former president Phil, <clears throat> when I put the post up, I had to put up the disclaimer. Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> had to put up a disclaimer saying that VP may have enjoyed himself a little too much because <laughs> it was at the back end of about four or five we'd done in a row and I definitely had myself far too many beers in the lead up to it. And I actually listened back to it today and I was just like, I don't know why you actually put that out, Rifty, because I could not understand myself. Yeah, it's, it's good for the laugh. Um, I couldn't imagine you trying to do a quiz after a, a few drinks, sir. That'd be 
Let's test yeah. it out, mate. Next Friday, yeah. try it. <laughs> um, but what about the party animals? So you've got the class clown, the joker. Now, is there anyone that was more of a party animal than that lunatic? And <laughs> yeah, and before yeah, you answer that one, you you quickly went over a name in the the blokes you mentioned before that a name that stood out to me was Rusty Cox. So surely he's got to be a party animal with a name like that. Funnily enough, he's not. He's uh, <laughs> he likes a beer. Don't don't get me wrong, Russ, but he wouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't think he's his last man standing type territory. We, we we have got a couple of uh, a couple of boys that enjoy themselves on a Saturday night and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night as well. So the uh, I, I would say my two are funnily enough our social coordinator, which is which is was Cameron McBride, um, and the other one is a guy that joined us a couple of years ago from Ireland, Liam. He when he when he gets on one, you might not see him for for four days. He is an out and out lunatic. Um, and, and he runs when you're out with him on a Saturday night he runs around like an unregistered dog you, you've got to keep an eye on him he'll be so to every single person in the bar and then he'll come back and grab you because he's met someone that went to Adelaide for three nights two years ago and yeah he's, he's good fun but you just got to watch him <laughs> yeah I agree I think Burnsy as well but though I think a dark horse might be Disco Stew if you go if you go off the timestamps of the uh, of the group chat we have it's always like 2.40 a.m. Anyone out? 3 o'clock. Anyone out? What's everyone up to? So, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> well, this is yeah, Disco Strews. He's obviously got the nickname for a reason. So. That's it. Um, but who... All right, so who's the guy that just takes their footy far too seriously? Who who's still thinks they're playing, you know, top level? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll let Glenn go. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd say Pep easily. <laughs> Which is definitely the most serious. But to be fair to Pep, I mean, we, when when the game's not on, we're all pretty uh, we're all pretty chill. But um, yeah, there's, he's pretty competitive uh, on game day and at training. Which I, I mean, it is good though because it kind of drives the standards a bit. And I, and I'm pretty I kind of takes training a bit. I travel from Liverpool from to Manchester, so um, I travel a little bit further, so I get a little bit more agitated if uh, guys are mucking around when we should be concentrating. But yeah, Pep probably takes it most seriously. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with that. I was, I was trying <laughs> to think of anyone else, but there isn't. Um, I, I swear to God, before each and every game or, or tournament we're playing, and even training session, but I'll look at a couple of our mates and I'll be like, I'm not going to take it as seriously today because we're all, we're all just out here for a kick and no one should be taking it seriously. But let me cross that white line and, and something, something happens. I just become mad and, and, and not mad in the sense of, you know, going around trying to fight people because I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper. But I've got a gob on me, though, and to the point where there, there was a game last year where it was bucketing down with rain. I think we, we just scraped together nine players. So did the opposition team. So everyone was, was literally there because they wanted to be. Glenn put his hand up to umpire. And he, he must have told, I must have sprayed him about 10 times in the first quarter. And he must have told me to shut up and told me he's going to send me off in the first quarter as well. And he, he said to me before the game, he said, if you start yapping today, I'm going to have to send you off. So I don't know what happens. It's an unfortunate thing because a lot of boys over here are just trying to learn and, and we're trying to develop the game. And, and there I am berating them for missing a target. But it is something that I'm continually trying to work on. And that's, and, and what I was trying to explain to Pear was, 
is it's like it's hard enough to get guys to umpire, like, let alone when you're setting that sort of standard. <laughs> it's like who wants to umpire to that, really? <laughs> That's why I end up having to do it because uh, no one else wants to cop that sort of abuse. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm very similar. On the training track, I'm very relaxed, calm, off the ground, I'm fine. As soon as like, like I sit down and go, ah, oh, no, it's just a game, it's no big deal. Get me on that ground and I will give blokes a spray and crack the shits about blokes not doing stuff right. So, but anyway, uh, the mum and the dad of the club. So you can either pick the two people that are constantly telling people off, like stop doing that, stop doing this, or the two people that your club would be absolutely lost without. You want to go, Glenn? Uh, I would say, I mean, I'm the oldest and, and, uh, tend to be at the functions. I don't know if Pep would say, or some of the other guys might say, I act a bit like the dad, just I tend to not be in the drinking sort of at club functions as much, especially when we're, maybe at the pub's different, but when we're at the club and there's stuff to be organised. But um, actually, no, probably Spike would be the dad. He's uh, he's older than me, so he's in his 40s. But um, I think the mum would have to be, all the wives tend to like the beers and aren't too serious. So maybe, uh, maybe Chook at Burnage, who... She runs the, the football club and cooks our meals. Um, she's pretty good. She's good value. She keeps us fed on a Thursday night. So, um, and we also do, oh, that's actually one thing. You've got to check out the, um, we do a rate, rate her plate on a Thursday night. So uh, it's pretty entertaining read. So maybe don't tell her though that we're doing it. I don't know if she'd know what social media is, but we, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say, I'd say the, the dad, um, that there's, there's Glenn definitely, and there's another guy, Sweets, who's from Liverpool, and um, he's about six foot 14 as well, and been around the club for, for 20 years, so him and, uh, him and Glenn are the twin towers, and they're like our two gay dads, they, they look after everyone, and, um, and, and sort everyone oh, out, <laughs> and, and they, they are the ones that, that I think everyone else turns to for, for guidance, I know I turn to Glenn when I need an online spreadsheet completing, and everyone else can manage to do so. um, and then I think mum, mum I, I would say, of, of all the wives and girlfriends, um, Elise Cox, which is, which is Rusty's wife, She's just been around for, for 10 years and she knows everyone. She's always made an effort at every function. She always makes everyone feel welcome, especially the wives and girlfriends. She sort of takes on that role. And uh, and Glenn mentioned Spike as well. I, I certainly wouldn't call him a father figure, more that creepy, annoying uncle that just sort of hangs around and, and no, one, no one wants to be around. So I think if, if you had a question about the creepy, annoying uncle, it, it would be Spike, I reckon. Oh, that's gold. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a new question, Riff. Yeah, we're gonna to have to add that one in because there's there's usually a creepy type uncle at every club, and as, <laughs> I, I think we need to um just sit down quickly and just run through these for ourselves and put them up on our socials, mate, just to get our opinion. We haven't done these ones. Yeah, yeah, there's some, uh, uh, it's, it's been great chatting to you guys. We do appreciate your time. But where can people go to uh, follow along the mosquito journey? So just on Facebook, it's, it's just as simple as the Manchester Mosquitoes. Um, you, you'll find us on there. We, we've tried to be more active now. There's, there, there'll be some content coming out in the next few weeks just about player profiles. Um, the, the boys have been really good at sharing that as well. And, and on Instagram, it's, it's at Manchester Mosquitoes, all one word. Um, the, during the year, we'll, we'll have up-to-date about games and fixtures. And for anyone coming over to Manchester that wants to play, we always put information about trainings and, and when games are there as well. So that, that's the best way to, to find us on those platforms. Yeah, awesome. Is there anything else you want to add, Ed, before we finish up? I just want to thank Alex and Glenn for joining us. Um, 
yeah, we'll definitely make sure that we uh, promote your social media. And if you guys do get a season in, we'll catch up with you at the back end of the season. If not, we'll definitely you know, touch base before next season and give the mosquitoes a bit of a rev up before they get going. Uh, once we're able to get into our rooms, because currently we're not allowed to get in there, we've got a handful of polo shirts or jumpers that we might send you away just as a bit of a you know, sand down to Manchester connection so you guys can wear them with pride or do what you want with them, give them to your creepy uncles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he takes out anything for free as well. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it goes with being a creepy uncle, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, no, seriously, thank you guys for your time. Appreciate you taking time out of your morning to chat with us. Um, yeah, I'm going to guess just enjoy your Friday at work. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, we, we appreciate it as well. And we'll be sure to send you a couple of these mozzie beanies over for the cold Victorian uh, winter ahead. We'll, uh, we'll get a couple of those in the post to get them over to you. But it's been great fun. And yeah, thanks very much for, uh, for having us. Uh, our pleasure. Um, yeah, we hope to hope you guys do get some sort of season and, and able to, to make it nine in a row. Or uh, And yeah. Hopefully you get to take home a Euro Cup at some stage over in Amsterdam too. So, yeah, best of luck. And and make sure you uh, do check up on our socials because we will be posting that video that we spoke about earlier with that grand final up to show everybody the footy that's played out your way. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra Cast with the present VP.